All right, that's right. Daniel and I are back for another episode of Televised Heroics. And uh, at this point, we're talking about Outcast. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, it's on Cinemax, or it was on Cinemax this past summer. Uh, and it is a t- TV show based off of Robert Kirkman's other, one of his other comic books called Outcast as, as well. Um, did you know anything about this comic book before, Daniel? I mean, I only read a couple of the first issues, so definitely I knew what to expect. But uh, seeing it, you know, transfer from uh, paper to on screen is totally different, you know, experience, which is actually pretty cool, though. Yeah, you know, I, I like I guess I'm kind of the same. I didn't really know anything about this particular story before uh, the show came out and looked it up uh, a little bit before uh, starting watching it. But it. It the show was really good. Just to put it out there first before we get to our, our actual talking about it, but uh, I'm glad that it's it's there, and I'm glad that it was on Cinemax. Not that you, re- I mean, I guess like I don't know if the you could you could have done some of that stuff on like regular like cable TV like uh, like AMC, but uh, you know it's a good thing that it was on Cinemax. Yeah, uh, but who knows? Maybe religious nuts would try to get it off the air since it deals heavily with uh, you know possessions and exorcisms and you know it's the true. devil yeah very much so so okay uh but first let's talk about a little bit of news and uh let me get a couple items out of there we have the tv show gotham showrunner bruno heller uh he basically has come out and said let's see this is what it said i don't think superhero superheroes work very well on tv probably because of the costume thing uh he he revealed at an edinburgh television festival TV is about real people and faces and not so much about magic and the supernatural things. He had, he said, explaining why Gordon is the center of Gotham and not some superhero or vigilante. Uh, of course, that doesn't mean that the show hasn't gone far with characters like face-changing Clayface or the resurrected villain Azrael. Uh, this, the series explores the strange but always with a careful eye. It's a tricky combination because you have to keep it real and unreal at the same time, Heller explained. Every season is moving towards the world towards the world in which Batman has to emerge to save the day. So every season is doubling down on the on the chaos and anarchy that is overtaking Gotham. So keep so things keep getting worse. And this was uh, on an article on comicbook.com. Now, I just have to say that's so absurd that Bruno Heller would go and say something like that in this day and age of superhero TV uh, where you have the Flash, Supergirl and even Agents of Shield, you know, I would say those shows alone are probably doing better in ratings than Gotham. I would think because you know Gotham is okay, but it's not the best. And he even even he says that they're creating a world to where Batman has to emerge, which is a man in a costume. One of the things you were just talking about. And he, and what is he? He's a fucking vigilante. Yeah, he's a fucking vigilante. I mean. <laughs> It's it's superhero comic book television. That's what they're here to watch. That's what they want to watch. So I don't know why. I don't know. It just seems like a weird thing for him to come out and say. Right. I mean, okay, so I guess this is a bad example. But, I mean, Constantine, you know, dealt with a lot of the supernatural and, you know, comic booky stuff. And even fucking Arrow, which is probably the most leveled show out of everything that you mentioned. You know, they even did, you know, supernatural stuff, too. Right. I mean, exactly. And I mean, all the... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, that's just, I mean, 
that's the nature of the show. It's it, they're they're genre type shows. You're gonna have to have some kind of supernatural element or or whatnot. I mean, that's what Gotham is going towards, anyways. And it, to to just single out all these other shows and say you know people aren't watching them. I think people are definitely watching The Flash, and that's completely costume and superhero and supernatural. Right, and I mean. When, you know, the first season of Flash ended, what was one of the things I told you? Uh, you you said that the Flash is the best. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I said, you know, the Flash won me over. I think it's better than Arrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what most people would say, too. I mean, Arrow was out, what, two seasons before the Flash came out? And obviously more people watch the Flash than they watch Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which also reminds me that there was a little bit of news about uh, 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 who was going to play who originally was going to play Jay Garrick that came out earlier this week on the Flash. Uh, the actor who played uh, Eddie Thawne, the, the the police detective, was was when he was hired. He was originally hired to play Jay Garrick. Yeah, I I saw the article you posted up, you know, on the Facebook page, but it's just really interesting that they decided not to go with that route. I mean, do you think it's uh, due to contract issues with the actor, or what do you think happened? No, I I think it was no. I mean, I think he wasn't supposed to play Eddie Thawne at all. I think he was just supposed to play Jay Garrick, and then they just decided to go a different way with the story and kept the actor. Oh, okay. So, yeah, and then they were like, oh, you know, maybe later down the line we'll have Jay Garrick show up. And then, as we see, Jay Garrick, Teddy Sears showed up as Jay Garrick. and then, <laughs> But that was fake, and then it's actually the fucking Henry Allen from another dimension. <laughs> we don't talk about that another anymore. Another world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have um, Alan, what is it, Adam or Aaron or Alan... Andrew, sorry, Andrew Kreisberg, uh, from all these shows, he's also the showrunner on Supergirl, and the executive producer on Supergirl, uh, he said, in a, uh, he was talking about how Supergirl season two is going to be like their Empire Strikes Back, um, and I guess it's, it, what he goes on to say is, in a way, it's almost like a sequel, and I don't mean that in terms of being dark, uh, when you look at Empire Strikes Back compared to Star Wars, because you'd already you'd already introduced the characters and gotten that out of out of the way you were able to go deeper with the characters and have more introspection uh and watch them grow and learn in some ways the show is a little bit more comic booky with the addition of superman and some of the things we're trying but it's got also gotten richer with some of the characters and what they'll be exploring this season and i mean i guess i, I see what the, how they're comparing it to uh Empire Strikes Back. I mean, they just kind of picked Empire Strikes Back because it's iconic. But uh, I don't, I don't know if there's going to be a big, you know, Vader is her father is his father kind of twist or anything. But they're talking about how in sequels you don't have to spend so much time to uh, introduce characters and get their background so that people identify with them. This way, you just go right into the story, and uh, I think that's what's going to happen in season two of Supergirl. I, I guess we haven't really had a chance to talk about what you think about them adding uh, Superman to the list of characters. Okay, so, you know, adding Superman, that's, uh, I guess, not an issue. 
but I now that they're adding him, I kind of feel like this isn't going to be a Supergirl show, like I hope for it to be. Wow, I didn't I didn't think of it that way. I mean, I, I mean, I definitely don't think they're gonna he's gonna be a like regular character on the show. But uh, yeah, maybe adding in Superman at all is kind of gonna be gonna overshadow her as as a character too. So that's I, it's interesting, and I, I didn't think of it that way. And I'm just surprised that they didn't use uh, Tom Welling, you know, and that they went with somebody else. I, I am super surprised by that too. I thought I did think that was weird. Uh, what's the actor's name? Tyler Hoechlin. Ho- Ho- I, Ho- I have no idea. Hoechlin, I think, or something like that. Well, you know, some of the other characters that they're adding to the um, cast, or you know, other characters they're going to show up in the in the show in season two are Monel and Snapper Carr. And Metallo. Really? Metallo? Yeah. So, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, do you know the story of Monel? No. So, when uh, Superboy, when Clark was young, and this is supposed to be when he was doing his Superboy thing, like uh, when pre crisis world, when they had a Superboy in Smallville, um, uh-huh. you know, wearing the actual blue and red suit. Uh, a, another rocket ship crashed on on Earth right in Smallville, and uh, Clark found it as a teenager, and he thought, "Oh man, this is another another Kryptonian, someone that's you know like me on this planet. You know, it's gonna it's gonna be great. I'm gonna have someone else to, to use my powers with." And uh, another young boy, teenage boy, comes out of the pod, and he uh, looks kind of he looks just like Clark, not like just like him, but he looks like Clark. And he ends up having powers, too, just like Clark's. So he's like, oh, you must be Kryptonian. But the kid doesn't have any memories. He doesn't remember who he is or where he came from or anything like that. So Clark tells him all about Krypton and him uh, being uh, crypt, uh, being, from, being from Krypton. And I don't know. Is that called Kryptonese? <laughs> A Krypton? Kryptonian? A Kryptonian, that's the word. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so he's like, oh, then I must be that because I have powers, too. And then... Clark then says, well, look, this is the, the most dangerous thing to us is to, uh, uh, and he, he's about to show him a, uh, a piece of kryptonite. Well, to, you know, shield it from Clark, the kryptonite is kept in a lead box. So when he shows, uh, Monel the, the, re- the, the kryptonite, the lead box is actually what starts poisoning him because he's not Kryptonian. He's actually an actual, he's actually a Daxamite. And Daxamites have uh, a poison, like they get, they get poisoned by by lead, like to the point where they they literally start to die. Not like kryptonite that starts to power them down, but they start to die like poison instantly. So to save him, Clark throws him into the uh, the negative zone. Is that what the, is that what they call that in that one? Is it the negative zone? The phantom zone. Phantom zone. See. All these different yeah. zones and comic books, they get mixed up in your head. Yeah, so he puts him in the Phantom Zone so that he has to stay there and, he, you know, it will stop him from dying because he doesn't age. But, uh, yeah, that was his one friend from outer space when he was a teenager that he never got to keep around. How sad. So I wonder what the, you know, how they're going to keep that into the storyline. So you don't think that's, um, you know, Monel is might be in that? spaceship that crashed at the end of uh season one. Ooh, i didn't think about that that could definitely be it boom <laughs> boom 
<laughs> so I know you wanted to talk about a pretty big thing that showed up this past couple days. Yeah, so this uh, was on. Uh, we talked about it before we started recording, but Berlanti said that, you know, Supergirl is going to be the last uh, DC TV show that they were going to take on on the CW network. Which definitely means there's not going to be a resurgence of Constantine then. <laughs> Poor K. <laughs> I don't know. They, you know, that show just did not get the love that it should have because it was really good. Um, which is very sad. So uh, I will, I have to wonder uh, why he would make such a bold statement though. Like why would he say that this is it? I mean, if the shows do good, why not keep going and make more shows of more, more comic book stuff? Because CW sells to teen drama and that's what they want. Trust they me, there's, fill a, up with... there's a lot of teen <laughs> drama in these shows. <laughs> teen drama is pretty much just, Love triangle. That's the two words. They're just interchangeable. We're talking. We're talking to you, all the city. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. You get Teen Titans as a TV show. Then there's your teen drama. You get uh, you know, Doom Patrol out there. It's kind of like Supernatural, and you know, uh, you got all kinds of things. I don't know why they would make it so that you're like, no, there's not going to be a chance of us ever having any other shows. But I mean, they—I mean, they so they already have what four different shows, so uh, maybe it's just they're like, oh, maybe we don't need to, we don't need to push it. We need to cool it. Yeah. Uh, what do, What do you think? I mean, would would is there a particular show that you would like to see? Yeah, Constantine. That's what I would love to see <laughs> brought back. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. But uh, I think we'll, well, we all have to follow the words of our. Very favorite animated ice witch and say, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Just sell the rights to Netflix. Let them have it as a Netflix original. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I don't know. I wonder how long NBC keeps the rights to that. I, I don't know. That's a really good question. I mean, and also, obviously not that long if Constantine was on Arrow. That's true. I mean... Oh, you got to wonder how much Warner Brothers kept the the rights to their characters. You know, I have to. You also have to wonder, like, if Universal owned it, owns the show, why not change it to one of their other channels that they own, especially like Sci Fi Channel. Sci Fi Channel would be a perfect place for Constantine. It would fit there perfectly. <laughs> um. Yeah, I would love to see like a a Nightwing show. I think. Like, I think that would be pretty good. So, like, uh, a Dick Grayson TV show slash Nightwing? Yeah, I can get into that, too. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they'd have to differentiate it from Arrow because they're both non-powered vigilante heroes that work at night. But I think I think Dick Grayson, has, if they did it right, he has enough of personality that he could make the show different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... I agree. <laughs> what was... But there was another piece of... Uh, interesting thing that dropped this past week that you wanted to talk about too it's not even past week past day um basically it seems like deathstroke is going to be one of the villains for the standalone batman movie right and yeah that's i mean we're yeah we're definitely speculating but all we saw was ben affleck uh drop some footage from uh we don't know what from it's just some test footage it looks like and it's it's definitely deathstroke 
all yep. armored up and looking like ready to kill something. Uh, and then the rumors started flying everywhere. So we have, uh, what's his name? Joe Manganiello, uh, supposedly in London where they're filming and he has, he's sporting a new goatee and a crew cut and, uh, talking to, uh, what's his, what's his name? Uh, Zack Snyder on Instagram. So, uh, lots of speculation is that he might be Deathstroke. Which, uh, I mean, I have no idea. I've never seen any of his work, so I can't, you know, say if I'm all for it or, if, you know, I'm against it. You've never seen any work of Joe Manganiello's? That's sad. No. He is freaking awesome. He's, he's One, he's hilarious. Two, the dude is ripped to shit. Yeah. <laughs> and three, uh, I always thought that he would make a great... Uh, captain marvel personally like that's who billy batson should turn into but i guess if they want to make him deathstroke then go right for it it's gonna be interesting to see him have to do i mean obviously you probably just get the stunt work stuntmen to do a lot of the fighting and stuff but uh you know if he's if they're gonna take his mask off he'll have to do a couple of the fight scenes himself right so Which, should, I mean, I, w- I would see that happening. <laughs> like, you don't have to check out the Magic Mike movies because uh, he's in those, but you should check you should check, check out Sabotage uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You should check out the the new Pee Wee Herman movie on Netflix. He's in that. You should check out... Uh, he was in True Blood for a very long time playing a werewolf, so you could try that. I never watched it, but I mean, obviously people liked it. Um, so, he was in He's in a lot of episodes of How I Met Your Mother, so he's got he's got the the, the comedy chops too, and I, I've listened to a lot of uh, he's been on I, I think he's been on Nerdist twice, and I've listened to those two podcasts. So, huh, interesting. <laughs> Definitely watch Sabotage though. That's just a good movie. Okay. By by yeah. David Ayer, he directed that same person who directed Suicide Squad. Oh shit! And I mean, obviously, uh, he did Fury, which is a really good movie and end of watch. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, those three movies are actually really great. So I don't know what went wrong with with Suicide Squad. What did I say that? Did I say that out loud? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I we're done with Suicide Squad. <laughs> we are done with it. I'm done with it. I don't want to hear any more <laughs> about it. But oh, guess what? The rest of the world makes me listen to more about that movie. <sighs> <laughs> all right by putting posts on facebook yes reminding you about it yes everybody's got a post about how harley quinn is so so amazingly hot and i want a relationship like joker and harley quinn shut up no you don't <laughs> yes he beats her <laughs> so, pretty bad too sometimes yeah yeah exactly they're damaged people all right uh, let's let's go ahead. I mean, if you had, did you have anything else that you wanted to get, get off your chest or talk about? Uh, we can skip along. No, no more Suicide Squad, or else we're gonna get into a long ass conversation about it. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> let's talk about Outcasts. So, the comic book. Let's see. It started in June 2014. Um, there's. At, at current, there's three volumes, 21 issues in total, uh, with the 21st issue coming out September 28, 2016, so that one still hasn't come out yet. We have the, the TV series was actually 
picked up by Cinemax uh, in 2013 just because Walking Dead became so successful that uh, one of the executives at Cinemax asked Kirkman what he was working on. And he told this story. I forget where it was he told the story. I think it was at a convention somewhere that I saw it. And he was he was talking about how... Uh, they were just they were just going off of how successful the first season of oh, the Walking Dead was or something like that, and uh, the executive walked up to him and said, "You know, whatever it is you're working on next, I would love to talk to you about it." And he's like, "Oh, just thinking to himself, he's like, oh, I'm really thinking about this new comic book series, you know, where this guy uh, has to has the power to fight off demons." or demons that possess uh, his family members and stuff like that. And she, and the executive was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm in. We're sold, you know. And he's just like, what? Huh? I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, you know, before it even became a comic book thing, I think, he, he'd already sold it to Cinemax, basically. And, uh, yeah, and uh, when he wrote the first issue, he, he said uh, in an interview, Kirkman did say that this is actually one of the first, uh, one of the few comics um, that as soon as I wrote issue one, I knew where I was headed and how it was going to end. Oh, wow. He knows how it's going to end. That's pretty pretty incredible. Yeah. And it uh, also makes me sad that uh, his superhero um, comics are actually uh, coming into a, to an end pretty soon, too. Yeah, but Invincible's been going on for quite a long time. Yeah, I think it's uh, issue just almost as long as uh, Walking Dead. It's, I think, issue 130 around there now. Oh, wow. And yeah. that I mean that's that's with image as well, right? Or is that skybound? I think it's skybound. Okay. Well, outcast is through image. Yes. And obviously image can go a lot darker route. <laughs> <laughs> uh for the description for outcast it says it's a supernatural horror story that chronicles Kyle Barnes, a man whose loved ones has have been involved in demonic possession since his childhood. With the help of clergymen, he uh, of a clergyman, he tries as an adult to unveil what lies behind the supernatural manifestations and why he seems to carry special peculiarities. Uh, so, this pretty much, I mean, transfers over right into the TV show. Uh, we see a lot of what happens, what happened to him as a child. Uh, with his mother, his mother seemingly was a very normal mother and loved him very much. And then one day she kind of just started turning darker and kept him locked inside the house, uh, because she had a, she had a, uh, like affliction when it came to the light and, uh, you know, he'd be sitting and we, we see the scene where he's, he's just sitting there eating the cereal at the table and all of a sudden she just grabs him by the hair and throws him around and then throws him into the pantry and locks him in there. And it looks like from that point on, at some point, someone called the cops or, you know, the cops were called, got him out of that house. And eventually he went into the foster care system. And then he meets, he gets adopted by another family. And that's when we meet his, basically, they call it, they call each other brother and sister because it seems like they, they grew up together. Um, where, where he meets uh, Megan. Megan, that's right. Uh, played by Ren Schmidt, and I, I forgot Carl Barnes is played by Patrick Fugit. And it looks like, you know, he, from that point on, he kind of had somewhat of a normal life. Yeah. 
until and then uh, <laughs> I mean we dive deeper into his his past uh, later in the season and we actually you know it unravels of what you know he actually goes on um, I'm pretty sure we'll get into a little bit uh, into it a little bit later um, but definitely um, I mean what did you like about the show what worked for you uh, you know for me what I, I think a lot of the stuff that, that I liked about the show was um, how they dealt with the fact that he himself doesn't really believe in religion you know the whole uh, God angels demons devil kind of thing and obviously uh, this reverend has put a lot of that into what what is going on he he, he believes that this is the work of uh, Satan you know taking over these people's bodies and Kyle just you know doesn't know what to believe he knows that both his mother and his his wife at the time uh, had something inside them that made them start to hurt their children and he he then he, he but he doesn't attribute it to something like that it's it just completely and he still doesn't like even though he's now seen things happen and he's helping the the reverend get these at right now we're still calling them demons out of their bodies he's they're they're like he he just doesn't understand what you know he doesn't use any of the stuff that the reverend brings none of the tools that the reverend brings because he says it's not not worth it you know, um, speaking of the demons, how how did you feel that uh, you know more a little bit more than half of the season? Um, you know, there was the we can call it the exorcism of the week. You know how that you know how do you like that or did you not like it? You know, I I liked it because really, I mean, I I know it kind of got it, it kind of gets a little stale if you just do one every week like that. But I liked the idea because it really helped us give, give us more. Uh, detail or story to what these things are each because like even that one point they ta- he talks about it with the reverend or the reverend says to him you know each demon does something different to its host body or whatever like that it and and at some point you know it takes it's different how they react to kyle barnes as they've named him the the outcast when he interacts with them yeah, I'll agree with you too. And I actually, um, you know, I kind of like that that one point where it just reached the point where, you know, he just uh, was like, like you said too, like you know, wasn't even using the reverend's tools. He just went straight up, fuck it. You know, we're doing it my way, and you know, just straight up put his hand on the guy's forehead and did that to exercise the demon, which I thought was a little, ref- you know, was a little bit refreshing since you know he wasn't using the tools, the chanting, the songs. And you know what have you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then as we come to see that you know when the Reverend goes back to uh, look over some of the VHS tapes recordings of his past exorcisms, he realizes that you know they just kind of got wise to him, the demons inside the bodies, and they just acted like they got excised from the from the bodies. It, then he eventually figures out that he was being played, basically. Yeah. You know, one thing, um, you know, I really did like about the show is um, the characters, you know, they were always put in really awkward or uncomfortable situations, which me as a viewer put me in a, you know, kind of tense, unease state. And, you know, that's what I really liked about the show. It kind of really sold me on, you know, having those feelings. And even after the episode was over, I would still have that lingering feeling on me. 
Oh yes, definitely. Yeah, the, the, a lot of the characters and the way uh, these actors portrayed them really made the story, uh, you know, sit inside you to contemplate it while uh, while it went on to the next episode or whatnot. And to talk about that, let's talk about some of the characters. We have Kyle Barnes is the main character. Reverend Anderson is the the reverend that uh, basically kind of gets him into this line of work. And it's not really work. I mean, it's not like he's getting paid for it. It's just he feels it's kind of his duty to start doing. Uh, Megan Holter, which is the the lady that or the the Kyle's sister or foster sister, if you want to call it, or adopted sister. Then Mark Holter is her husband. Uh, and then you find out that, you know, Mark was, is, doesn't really like Kyle so much because, well, no one in the city kind of likes Kyle that much because it's, uh, the rumor is that he beat his wife and almost killed his, his daughter. And that's why she took the daughter and left. But when we actually come to find out is that, uh, his wife actually is the one that almost killed the daughter and he had to, uh, break her off of the, off the child but he didn't tell her that because he didn't want her to have to have that memory. And, and he took the blame for it and it, when, you know, went away. Exactly. Uh, and then it's Mark Holter is, is played by David Denham. Uh, I think most people would know him from the, as Roy from the, from the office. Uh, yeah. We have Chief Giles, which is played by Reggie, uh, Reg E. Kathy, who was just recently in the, Fantastic Four movie as Doctor Storm. Uh, he's also been in House of Cards and you know lots of things. Then we have Sydney, who's kind of like this head demon guy, played by Brent Spiner, you know, most famously of Star Trek: The Next Generation. And you don't quite—I mean, you know that he's like the other possessed people, but you don't know why he's—he's di- he's so different. And then, I think that one of the best things that they did for his character is that they put him inside of the child molesting, you know, pedophile murderer, serial killer yep. guy. <laughs> and it's just like, because at that point, he's like, you don't want to take him out of me because this guy's a real fucking monster. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> when he possesses him, he lets that, you know, little kid, he lets him loose, you know, when the rapist actually, you know, was had him chained up in his basement, you know? Yeah, and that, the funniest, like, one of the funniest things is the, the look on his face when he possesses him and figures out what the hell is going on. He, he's just, it's such a look <laughs> of disgust when he's yep. a demon. He's like, ah, this guy is just terrible. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was, uh, that, I mean, that was just great acting and, and, and writing on, on their behalf. Um, Absolutely. You know, and then we have other characters throughout that are are there to either become, uh, you know, more demons or more humans or provide more backstory to Kyle Barnes. Right. But, um, I mean, uh, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, but you know, there it's it's all uh, just contributing to the story. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say, um, it was so weird how. I felt like, okay, obviously, you know, Megan is a stepsister um, to, you know, Kyle. And I was like, well, I don't know how far, why they're including her this much. None of this adds, you know, much to it. And then you find out her tragic backstory and her fucking husband is too dumb 
to figure out what the hell's going on, and she has to basically spell it out for him, you know? Right. I was like, you're a bad cop, and you're a bad husband. <laughs> uh, and, but, yeah, he's obviously, yeah, so, you know, this back, her backstory of sh- their her family took in foster kids a lot, and, you know, not all of them are going to be Kyle Barnes. There's, unfortunately, they also had another one. Uh, I forget what his name was. Donnie. He, Donnie, yeah. Donnie ended up sexually uh assaulting abusing her. her yeah abusing her and assaulting her when she was a child and it wasn't until kyle came around that he even though he's he's not a fighter he's not very strong he made sure to put himself in between her and him uh you know until the till the day that she he left so when he showed back up in town it you know drudged up a whole bunch of feelings especially for her and to the point that her husband knew that something terrible happened to her in the past, and he put, he finally figured out that Donnie was the one that did it to him, and he went and pulled him over as he was leaving town, and commenced to beat the shit out of him on the side of the road, which I would say is, you know, okay, that's fine, I mean, but don't do it in front of your dash camera as a cop, so... Of your cop yeah. car. That's the part where you got in trouble. And just to prove, you know, that Donnie is, you know, hasn't changed at all. He fucking goes and sues him, man. <laughs> Blackmails him and then sues him after she gives him all the money that she has. Oh, man, that was fucking terrible and distaste, you know, distasteful. Just sour taste in my mouth. <laughs> so at the the point... You know, when you first see uh, Kyle use his GIF, whatever you want to call it, it's on uh, a young a young boy that's being possessed. And Josh, young boy, yeah, young Josh. Josh then has some type of, you know, he has some type of supernatural strength and the ability to to levitate, and you know, has a, a, a distaste for the sunlight and and. We even the first scene of the show is is Josh slamming his head into the wall to kill a bug and then eating the blood and that was just wow, it's so <laughs> fucking creepy, man. <laughs> and then when his mother walks into the room to find out what's going on, he's he's chewing on his own hand, and he says like I'm hungry or something like that. <laughs> Which then we find out that I guess whenever these things enter the body for the first time, they're kind of they're kind of new to the world, so all their senses are over, over in overdrive. So you know that's why they don't like the sunlight, and uh, they're incredibly hungry, and you know all kinds of things. So uh, even to the point that later on we see ones that try to cut their own eyes out, or uh, yeah. you know you know break apart, or kill people, <laughs> or strangle them, like the one guy that was in jail who. Uh, twisted his partner's wife into a pretzel, basically, when he killed her. Yep. That was fucking <laughs> disgusting. Uh, yeah, and again, you know, adds that creepness factor to it, which they did a really good job. Yeah, exactly. No, that's I mean, that's that was you know really great in in their part to to make it so creepy that you know we wanted to be afraid of whatever the hell it is that's that's possessing these people. I kind of want to quote Kevin, uh, one of Kevin Smith's movies right now. I was so disgusted, yeah, I was so intrigued at the same time. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I imagine that shows up in a lot of Kevin Smith scripts. <laughs> uh, so when he first meets up with Josh, he's trying to do the same thing that the the Reverend is doing. You know, using the cross, talking about uh, you know Jesus con- commends you to commands you to to exit the boy's body, using hymns and all that kind of stuff. But at one point. <laughs> Uh, the kid hits him so hard that he just reacts and punches the boy in the face. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, uh, the kid goes flying uh, like across the room because his obviously his punch and touch hurts a little bit more than or hurts more than a regular uh, person's would. Uh, he then bites into Kyle's hand, and Kyle's blood causes him to expel the demon. Go on. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, he, he at this point, that uh, Kyle sees the demon kind of vom- be vomited out of uh, Josh and in, into the roof and then kind of disappear, or into the ceiling and then kind of disappear. And he remembers the that... The black liquid. Yeah, the black liquid. It, it doesn't... It didn't see... He doesn't remember seeing that when his mother had the demon uh, excised from her body. Now... That is kind of what happens in the second episode is all about him trying to go go and find his mother at, at the uh, nursing home that she's at because she's kind of comatose. Not comatose. What's the catatonic? She's alive and awake, but she's not all there in the head. And he doesn't know why. He doesn't remember seeing that. But we see in flashbacks that he had gotten thrown onto the ground, knocked out as a child because I think it was his tear that actually – uh, got the demon out of her body and uh when he got thrown to the ground that's when the the black liquid got shot into the air and he didn't see it because yep. he was he was unconscious uh the next episode is when we see the cop the detective that got possessed and he had been in jail for i think five years while after he was possessed because he killed his partner's wife and his partner really doesn't understand why because they were the best of friends and his blood didn't work on that one and he and the idea is that the longer that the demons stay inside the possessed body the more they're t- they take a hold the more that they are a part of that body so his mother held out for as long as she could but when he excised the the demon out of there it took part of her brain with it or her mind, or her soul, or whatever you want to call it, uh, the the cop couldn't, you couldn't take it out of him anymore because it was him now, and the, and the little kid just only had it in for a couple of days. So, yeah, when, I was just saying, so we have, we obviously have uh, some type of symbiotic bond that's being, you know, put together, put between these two things. Yeah, and I mean, you definitely see it as more as the uh you know as it progresses and you start seeing a little bit more of uh you know this black liquid or black flaw uh fog and you're just like what the hell is it until you actually get a little bit more answers and you know one of the episodes uh you see allison um kyle's you know wife or ex-wife if you want to call her just kind of you know staring into the mirror brushing her teeth and you just see like a little glimpse of the fog and you know that's it episode ends you're like what the hell's going on uh at at one point she doesn't understand why i mean that's a it's kind of a running 
theme throughout the episodes, uh, at least in the middle of the series that, uh, or the middle of the season that her daughter doesn't like being around her. Not at least not when they're alone because their daughter has the memories of what happened that day. Uh, even though she doesn't. So she remembers mom jumping on, slapping her around, jumping on top of her, starting to choke her out, uh, until dad ran into the room knocked her on the ground you know and then i i guess he got knocked out at some point too because he didn't see the black stuff shoot out of her mouth but the little girl did right yeah that's uh i guess the same thing i was expecting too is um he got knocked out unconscious and um and amber has similar powers and she expelled the demon out of uh allison that's right that was the big reveal at the end of the season or one of the big reveals at the end of the season that the his young daughter also has the same powers and and i liked how as he progressed or at least how as he got more keen to what was going or what he had to do he didn't need to put his blood or anything into their body he could start doing it by touching and 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 you know forcing them out kind of like that when you know they then the reverend stuff he's just like fuck it i'm not gonna use this i'm just gonna place my hand on your on your forehead make it work that way <laughs> right and then so you gotta wonder like with with caleb the guy that was the 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 church hand the guy that was doing a lot of the handy handiwork around the church like why was it that his demon was expelled and not it didn't take away part of his brain i mean well huh shit because i mean you know i was thinking about that too um only because well Fuck, you know, it's kind of hard to say, actually, because I have here on the notes that basically, oh, shit, oh, I have to look through this. <laughs> uh, trying to see where I wrote them in. Um, and I did label it by episode. I feel like an idiot right now. <laughs> Was it around uh, the Remembrance Day episode? I, I think so. Or it might have been a little bit before that. Ah, shit, I don't remember, because I know who you're talking about, but fuck, yeah, I don't remember. That's okay, that's just one of the things that I thought was was strange, but I do like, so when we first introduced to Sydney, uh, Brent Spiner's character, you know, he's talking to the old lady, and a lot of the characters that, a lot of the possessed characters we meet in the show are ones that uh, were supposedly exercised by uh, the Reverend in the past, and he thinks he's done a great job, and he's actually super proud of himself. Which he believes eventually will be is one of his his sin his sins that he he never he didn't see that he didn't do a good job because he had so much pride, but the old lady uh, is talking to Sydney and she says, you know, it's not fair that I got this old body that you know I I I I don't I I I'm it's gonna die soon and and I I haven't I'm not gonna be here to see what happens next and the way her dialogue is said it's definitely referring that there's a bigger plan and something's about to happen and sydney says well right. you we don't get to choose what bodies we jump into it's not it's not you know it's not our doing you just have to get here and start preparing you know and that's that's what we're supposed to do uh and that's that's where we get a lot of the dialogue that we want to to, to give us more information of what's going on or what these things are is from sydney to the point that even when uh, Kyle has him, he says that we're from another world or something like that. He's saying, talking about 
how the religious icons and the religious all the religious stuff isn't going to work because it, it, we're not demons or something like that. Yeah. And actually, um, it was episode six with uh, with Caleb, and I just wrote Exorcism of the Week, Caleb. Right. But, I mean, with that, after Caleb gets exercised, you basically jump to uh, the Reverend, you know, having the fucking nice skin tattoo on him. That's right. With the uh, pentagram carving. Yeah. On his chest. And see, that's that's more of, like, Sydney's using the superstitions against him. You know, he, I don't, I mean, obviously, I I don't think that they're actually demons. They're, they're not the demons in the sense of the Bible and stuff like that. This isn't possessions in that way, but he's using that iconography and, you know, that superstition or that, uh, you know, uh, hatred that's already there, or at least in this town folk to, to use that against them. He's made it, he he puts a pentagram into the, the reverend's chest, you know, uh, to make it look yep. like he's he's gone crazy to me like you're you know and the whole town just kind of looks at him like I, why would you do that to yourself just to blame this this man who's not doing anything wrong and what really and this i mean once again we, we've seen this in lots of shows uh most mainly game of thrones where you have the young king joffrey who's played by an actor he, that he makes the character so horrible that you know you just hate him and just means like yeah he's doing a great job acting because we really do hate him or you know they did a great job writing that character because we really do hate him and that comes up to this red-headed kid that's you know such a little jerk that he's the son of the lady that the reverend is kind of dating and he doesn't want the reverend to be his new stepdaddy, so he start, he turns to Sydney and he's spray painting, you know, Satan lives on the side of the Satan church. Satan lives on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the kid is so terrible. I wanted to just, I want the the reverend to actually just like beat him down. Oh, we'll get into that later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Since right now we're really heavily talking about religion, I just want to say, um, you know, I was talking to one of my coworkers who actually watched the show, and we got into a discussion of a preacher and outcast, and basically, preacher was um, more about, you know, since they both had to deal with religion, basically, what preacher gives uh, tries to portray, you know, the rewards and punishments of God are real, with outcast, you know. It shows the support of religion, but, you know, people who don't believe in religion, you know, it, it leads you to believe where, you know, religion, all the superstitions with religion, you know, kind of falls apart. So I think it uh, both shows are obviously parallel, but I think that this show did a good job, you know, with portraying that, you know, if you're religious, like this is where, you know, you're a hypocrite, you know, this is why you're just believing a bunch of, you know, magic stuff or fantasy stuff right no exactly you know whereas preacher definitely takes the word of the bible and and places it in a uh a real world scenario where thing you know these things uh did happen or could happen outcast kind of takes it and says maybe what you saw what they saw or what was recorded was something else and you know what you all these incantations that you you try and do or uh you know symbols that you 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 worship aren't exactly going to help you in the end 
and you know that obviously with that episode uh was with uh the kid you know saints lives uh lives on the pentagram carving that that was a good job portraying all that stuff exactly and which i mean that's why i kind of brought up the kid is that he he saw sydney carving that thing into his chest and Instead, when he was asked, he he goes and says, "No, I saw him. I saw the Reverend carve it into his own chest, you know, to make him sound even crazier." Yeah. Uh, so I go ahead. No, I mean, I was just going to start to the next uh, another topic. So if you had something you wanted to say, go ahead. You bring up the next topic. I was and then just, we'll <laughs> the back. next topic was going to be Sydney talking about uh, telling Kyle that. Because Kyle asked him, why, why is it, why does these things keep happening to people that I love? Because it first happened to his mother, then happened to his wife, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's also happening to a lot of different people in this town, which is very odd because this, this the town is, I think, I think it says like a population of like ten thousand or something like that at the beginning of the show. I don't remember, but there are a lot of people in this little town that are possessed, and Sydney says, I believe it's Sydney. Uh, he says that you're kind of like a lighthouse, you know, uh, we see you as a beacon of light and you, you kind of draw us to you and we possess the people that are around you. And, you know, uh, with that, I felt that was more for us to interpret it however we wanted to. And the show did leave with a lot of that. Um, and also a lot of mystery but not enough clues to solve, you know, a mystery. And it kept leading us on and obviously ended up in a big, big uh, cliffhanger, but definitely that was a big mystery or for us to interpret it as our own. And I'm so like, you know, what could that mean? Could it mean that possibly, you know, kind of going back to preacher that, you know, you have Genesis in you and it's a destructive power, but you're trying to use your power for good when you're supposed to be, you know, using it for bad and help, us win this war or fight or take over the world question mark maybe you know that you're, you're definitely right that's it, it i mean it's it, they, they want the show to go on for you know more seasons so there's gonna they're gonna leave a lot of things open which uh i want to say that we had 10 episodes of the first season and from the looks of it from the names of the issues on the in the comic book that's the first 13 episodes or first 13 issues so if we've only gotten 21 issues so far and we've already gone through 13, you know, that's over half. Uh, we're, you know, I, you got to wonder how, how much is going to differ the way, you know, the way Kirkman does with his, uh, between walking dead and uh, comic books and walking dead, the TV show, he, he likes it to diverge so that, you know, the readers of the comic books don't exactly know what's going to happen in the, in the show. I wonder if he does the same with this com with this particular comic book and TV show, or if maybe uh, he's kind of keeping it the same because they're kind of running concurrently. I think uh, since they're running concurrently, I think it might be you know little little small tweaks, but not you know big enough tweaks. I yeah, I would say that's probably that's probably right because uh, it's got to be difficult to come up with the two different stories. Yeah. Um. That's what I, I always I have to say that you know, the show does delve into a very dark subjects. I mean, we have a lot of uh, S and M, uh, sexual assault. There's uh, you know, 
child abuse, all kinds of dark, dark issues. And they don't try and put anything into a rosy spin or, or, you know, rose tinted glasses, if you want, if you want to call it that. But we do get explanations of why certain things happen, kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think we both talked about how much we liked the story and the characters in this. What do you think of, like, the setting? The, the fact that it's a small Virginia town or West Virginia town, you know, in the middle of the uh, very remote area of the country? I just, um, I guess I find it, um, I want to say more of a demon's playground because it's so small and they decided to keep it, you know, in the city of Rome or in the town of Rome that it's just, they're still, they're still going to be there. Small town. So more chaos can ensue. I kind of like, so that. I like it, you know, you know, like, uh, did you ever watch the movie, the faculty? Uh, I don't think so. So in the movie, the faculty, there's a line where the, the kids, are figuring out that the world is being invaded by aliens and they're saying, well, why did they pick our small school in our small town? You know, and there's the, this one lady's like, Oh, well, what would you, if you were an invading force, would you come in all independence day and blow up the white house? Or would you sneak in through the back door and, you know, come in through a, a small town? And I mean, that's kind of what I, I see here is that you you got whatever this is, they're invading bodies in this small town and then maybe going out and infecting the rest of the world because why, why not? Who's going to expect it? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so, and we kind of see that at the, in the very end of the season when, uh, Kyle and his daughter are trying to escape town and they get to a gas station, gas station. Yeah. And they go to, they go, he goes to, he's filling up and he goes inside. He's going to, he's going to get her some, some snacks or some road trip snacks. And all of a sudden everybody's kind of just surrounding him. Yeah. Definitely adds to like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. It adds to the whole idea of like how many people out there are actually not people anymore. And, you know, I, I really do hope um, they go and just piggybacking on you um, from the subject you said earlier. I really do hope, you know, why Caleb, you know, that whole thing, you know, um, how it determines, you know, how long is the whole, you know, you're going to be the host and you lose everything or, you know, you still get to, you know, be yourself and remain yourself. So I hope that's what they touch on the on the second season. Yeah, I would, I would love to have a little bit more explanation to that, too. And then how, you know, how powerful is his power as compared to how powerful is his daughter's power? Right. And especially, uh, um, and why are they outcasts? What made them, what made them special? (laughs) Exactly. And another thing I want answered, you know, uh, I want to know the repercussions of the Reverend, especially since he didn't kill Sydney and, you know, he killed, uh, the girlfriend's son. I want to know that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I thought it was very cool that they ha- he had this special relationship with uh, uh, the chief of police or the you know the sheriff or whatever the hell he was in that small town, and he knows you know when to let certain things look the other way, and you know he knows which people are the right people and stuff like that. I mean, you go through a lot of that when he's talking to Mark, and he's and Mark's like, well, we need to investigate, and we need to we need to turn all this evidence into CSI and stuff like that, and he's like kid you need to know when to investigate certain things oh the first time we heard that is when uh the young josh was 
being looked at by paramedics and they're like Kyle Barnes needs to be arrested for beating this kid and he's like no the reverend said that this needs to not go down that way and we I kind of trust the reverend which you know I'm kind of how the... <laughs> in any other go scenario ahead. in any other scenario I'd be like that's not right I don't want that I don't want the <laughs> reverend to dictate the the law but obviously he's part of our our hero pack here and kind of how um, with one of the characters, like, oh, by the way, Kyle, I lit the trailer on, fi- on fire, but you want to look the other way. You don't know none of this. I don't <laughs> tell you this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, overall, uh, I, yeah, I love I liked the show. I thought it was very good. I love I love subjects uh, or not subjects, but like TV shows that that revolve around the subjects of supernatural. I think. It's always something that, if it turns out to be supernatural, I still think there could be some kind of alien thing going on here. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's a, there's always different ways to uh, interpret it or spin it or come up with a new story, even though it's, a, it's an old story. So I would definitely recommend it to people. Uh, I know you said you ended up liking this better than Preacher, correct? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um... Only because it sold the creep factor a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, I kind of feel like there was more blood in Preacher. But yeah, the, this show definitely has the, the the ick factor, the creep factor revved up higher. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, especially, especially with the whole, hey, I'm going to put this bag on your head and just listen to me and get in my trunk. Okay, Mitch? <laughs> uh well, that's you know that's that's uh, good to hear. So we'll have to wait for season two. We'll probably talk about that next summer uh, if we're also around. But other than that, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Daniel, I'm at uh, Daniel Von Helvet on Twitter, and uh, you can also get at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter and talk to us there. Uh, but make sure to check us out on Facebook, Geek Elite Radio, where you can join in the conversation on our page. Give us a like, you know, be part of the community. We we love talking to everybody and discussing things and coming up with new ideas and new theories. So uh, it'd be great for you to come come by uh, as one of our listeners. And then also make sure you check out our website, geekeliteradio.com, for archived episodes of this particular podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But you know, this has been a good week, and next week we'll we'll have to we'll we'll get to start talking about uh, Fear the Walking Dead, Daniel. Yeah, it seems like it's uh, back on the air. Oh yeah, it is, and our shows that means our shows are going to be coming back sooner. With Walking Dead is October, uh, I think. I think the CW shows are in October as well. Yep, yeah, I think it's usually the first week in October. So we got we have all that to look forward to coming up soon. Uh, what are you most excited for? I want to see how cable TV is going to pull off the whole Flashpoint, even though uh, the writers uh, did say it's only going to you know be a, f- a few episodes. I want to know how they're going to pull that off. Uh, you know, I, I I'm actually just more, I'm I'm kind of more I'm interested on how it's going to affect all the other shows if it does. It's true. Uh, I also am really interested in finding out how the Justice Society of America is going to be interpreted in Legends of Tomorrow. So uh, I'm excited about that. 
And who's going to be part of that Justice Society? Exactly. <laughs> so, until next time, this has been Televised Heroics on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. <laughs>